welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And no Eli. He's too good for us this weekend. He's playing hooky. So this week... We've kind of scrambled to come up with an episode for you guys, but I think we did a good job. Yeah. Uh, we were going to be interviewing a paranormal investigation team, but they've had some unforeseen family emergencies, and we will be interviewing them next week, so be looking forward to that. And so this week, you guys get a special Boo Y'all episode. Boo Y'all! We're going to tell you some scary, funny, scary scories. Scories? Oh, no, not the scories. <laughs> <laughs> we love scories and and some stories and some stories some scories and some stories and some songs and some yongs um i'll go ahead and get started because mine's right in front of me okay are you guys ready mine's really short let's get it on no you're my brother i, I meant the, the short stories. oh okay all right mommy told me to never go to the basement but i wanted to see what was making the noise it kind of sounded like a puppy, and I wanted to see the puppy. So I opened the basement door and tiptoed down a bit. I didn't see a puppy. And then Mommy yanked me out of the basement and yelled at me. Mommy had never yelled at me before. It made me sad, and I cried. Then Mommy told me to never go in the basement again, and she gave me a cookie. That made me feel better. So I didn't ask her why the boy in the basement was making noises like, the pup, like a puppy. Or why he had no hands or feet. Ooh, shit. Oh, shit. Boo, y'all. I'll go next. The story is This New Old House by Betuto of Hell, 821. We bought an old house, my boyfriend and I. He's in charge of the new construction, converting the kitchen into the master bedroom, for instance. Well, I'm on wallpaper removal duty. The previous owner papered every wall and ceiling. Removing it is brutal, but oddly satisfying. The best feeling is getting a long peel, similar to your skin when you peeling out peeling from a sunburn. I don't know about you, but I kind of made a game of peeling on the hunt for the longest piece before it rips. Under a corner section of paper in every room is a person's name and date. Curiosity got the best of me one night, and I googled one of the names and discovered the person was an actual missing person. The missing date matched the date under the wallpaper. The next, the next day, I made a list of all the names and dates. Sure enough, each name was for a missing person with the dates to match. We notified the police, who naturally sent out a crime scene team, I ever heard one tech say, yep, it's human. Human? What's human? Ma'am, where is the material you removed from the walls already? This isn't wallpaper you're removing. <gasps> oh. oh. Boo, y'all. That one was good. This whole website's got some good ones. A man is walking home late one foggy night. Santa Claus? When behind him he hears, bum, bum, bum. Walking faster, he looks back, and through the fog, he makes out the image of an upright casket. 
banging its way down the middle of the street toward him. Bump. 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 Terrified, the man begins to run home, the casket bouncing quickly behind him. Faster. Faster. Bump. 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 He runs up to his door, fumbles with his keys, opens the door, rushes inside, slams and locks the door behind him. The casket crashes through his door, with the lid of the casket clapping. Clappity bump. Clappity bump. Clappity bump. On his heels, the terrified man runs. Rushing upstairs to the bathroom, the man locks himself in. His heart is pounding. His head is reeling. His breath is coming in sobbing gasps. With a loud crash, the casket breaks down the door, bumping and clapping toward him. The man screams and reaches for something, anything, but all he can find is a bottle of cough syrup. Desperate, he throws the cough syrup at the casket. And the coffin stops. Oh, God. <laughs> I love that one. Booyah. <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. Oh, that was real good. <laughs> All right, this one is a true story. Mm. When my daughter was two, I found her twirling paper towel tubes tied with a string in the air. I asked her what she was doing. She said she was practicing her nunchucks. I was very confused. She'd have no way of knowing what they were. I asked her what she meant. She said that Adam had told her how to make them and showed her each night how to use them. She went on to say that Adam told her to practice because she may need to know how to defend herself someday. I almost freaked out, but asked her what Adam looked like. She said he was tall and blonde and had blue eyes. She said, Mommy, you know how he looks. You know him. He died of a headache. I had to leave the room. You see, four months before she was born, my tall, blonde, blue-eyed martial art pro friend had died of a brain aneurysm at the age of 27. She has not spoken of him since, and I'm not sure if I scared her with my reaction or if she had completed her lessons. Boo, y'all. All of mine have come from hauntedrooms.com. Mine are from scoopwoop.com. Scoop so my next one is I Hate It When My Brother Charlie Has to Go Away by Horror in Pure Form. Good name. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is, that I am lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like undammed rivers. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try and make me feel bad by pointing out that his boredom is likely far surpasses mine. Considering his conf- he's confined to a dark room in an institution, I always beg for them to give him a- one last chance. Of course, they did at first. Charlie has been back home several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Every time without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged-out eyes showing up in his toy chest. My dad's razors found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street. Mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets. My parents are hesitant now, using last chances sparingly. They say his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normalcy, and to trick the doctors who care for him into thinking he's already rehabilitated. 
that I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until he's back. Oh. oh. Why didn't I think of that when you were a kid? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was trying. Mom just didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I was always the one in trouble. This is the psychiatrist. It's a Japanese story. I'm a psychiatrist by profession. And over the course of my career, I have dealt with many people who have strange and unusual problems. However, one case in particular disturbed me more than any other. There was a family of three who lived next door to me. They were a married couple in their 60s, and they had a son who was about 30 years old. The son was what we call in Japan a haikikomori. Somebody who is introverted, reclusive, and isolated. Someone who has withdrawn from social contact. We never saw the sun. People who are haikikomori usually lock themselves away in their rooms and avoid others. I didn't hear about his condition directly from his parents. I assume they didn't want to discuss it. In Japan, people are very concerned about appearances, and having a son who is haikikomori is an embarrassment. As the days passed, their son went out less and less. Eventually, he never came out of the house at all. Every night from his bedroom window, the furious voice of his mother could be heard screaming and shouting at him. Whenever I met the poor woman, she smiled and said hello, but the strain was showing in her face. She became pale and haggard. It had been almost six years since anyone had seen the son. One day, the father knocked on my door and asked me to come to his house. He knew I was a psychiatrist, and since we were neighbors, I decided to do what I could do to help the family. When we got to the front door, the mother was there waiting for us. She led me upstairs to her son's room. She banged on the door with her fist and shouted, We're coming in. Then she burst into the room and shrieked, Are you going to sleep forever? Get up, you lazy good for nothing. Before I knew what was happening, she grabbed a golf club and started beating the sleeping figure under the covers. For a moment I was struck dumb as she rained down blow after blow. Then I sprang into action, grabbing the golf club and wrestling her out of the room. I hurried back inside to check on her son's injuries, but when I pulled back the bed covers, I couldn't believe my eyes. Lying beneath the sheets was a mummified corpse. I stood there in absolute astonishment, staring at the pile of bones and old leathery skin. The father approached me, hanging his head in shame. It was my wife that I wanted you to see. This has been going on for years. I can't take it anymore. Ooh. Boo, y'all. Boo, y'all. Boo, y'all. Last night, a friend rushed me out of the house to catch an opening act at a local bar's music night. After a few drinks, I realized my phone wasn't in my pocket. I checked the table where we were sitting, the bar, the bathrooms. After no luck, I used my friend's phone to call mine. After two rings, someone answered, giving a low, raspy giggle and hung up. They didn't answer again. I eventually gave up, and it was a lost cause, and headed home. I found my phone laying on my nightstand, just where I left it. Booyah! God, that'd be creepy as fuck. My next one is Seeing Red, The First Day of School, by Zinri Howe. Everyone loves the first day of school, right? New classes, 
new year, new friends. It's a day full of potential and hope before all the dreary depression of reality shows up and ruins all the fun. I like the first day of school for different reasons, though. You see, I have sort of a power. When I look at people, I can sense a sort of aura around them, a colored outline based on how long that person has to live. Most everyone I meet around my age is surrounded by a solid green hue, which means they have plenty of time left. A fair amount of them have a yellow-orangish tinge to their auras, which tends to mean a car crash or some other tragedy. Anything that make anything that takes people before their time, as they say. The real fun is when the auras venture into the red end of the spectrum, though. Every now and again, I'll see someone who's basically a walking stoplight. Those are the ones who get murdered or kill themselves. It's such a rush to see them and know their time is numbered. With that in mind, I always get to class very early so I can scout out my classmates' fates. The first kid who walked in was basically radiating red. I chuckled to myself, too damn bad, bro. As people kept walking in, they all had the same intense glow. I finally caught a glimpse of my rose-tinted reflection in the window, but I was too stunned to move. Our professor stepped in, locked the door. His aura was a sickening shade of green. Booyah! God, that one scares me. Though. That, <laughs> like, that one's I've creepy. had some teachers I figured thought that would do that. This one's called Knock Knock. Who's there? As their mother was leaving, she told the children not to open the door under any circumstances. But the boy and his sister didn't pay attention to their mother's warning. They thought she was being too careful. They figured they could take care of themselves in any situation. About an hour after the parents left, the kids heard on the front door. They decided to ignore it, but again, they heard. It happened again and again, and it grew louder each time. Eventually, the girl couldn't stand it anymore, and she told her brother she was going to answer the door. When the boy reminded her of their mother's warning, the girl just wouldn't listen. Again, they heard on the door. Finally, the sister went downstairs. Her brother lay on the sofa watching TV. He heard his sister's footsteps walking down the stairs. He heard her asking loudly, Who is it? He heard her open the lock on the front door. Then he heard only silence. He lay there for a while, listening for any noise, but heard nothing. Eventually, he started getting scared. His sister still hadn't returned. He was afraid to call out to his sister, so he snuck out the back door and made his way to their neighbor's house. When he went into their house, his neighbor was watching the local news channel on TV. The news anchor on TV was talking about a murder. Then they showed a reporter live at the scene of the crime. The neighbor said to the boy, Hey, that looks like your house. The boy was shaking with fear. That is my house, and that's my front door. Boo, y'all. My next story is one of my favorite from childhood. It comes from a little known book called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. One of my all-time favorite books when I was a kid. I used to check it out all the time at the library. Oh, me too. Me and, me and my brother, we would um, sit there in the flashlight in the dark and read the stories back and forth to each other. Yeah. 
and scare the pants off of each other. Mom and I would read them back and forth to each other, and then we'd change them up and like tell them differently and make up our own stories and stuff. But this one is called The Viper. The Viper. A widow lived alone on the top floor in an apartment house. One morning, her telephone rang. Hello, she said. This is the Viper, a man's voice said. I'm coming up. Somebody's fooling around, she thought, and hung up. Half an hour later, the phone rang again. It was the same man. It's the Viper, he said. I'll be up soon. The widow didn't know what to think, but she was getting frightened. Once more, the telephone rang, and it was the Viper. I'm coming up now, he said. She quickly called the police, and they said they would be right over. When the doorbell rang, she sighed with relief. They're here, she thought. Don't open that door. But when she opened the door, there stood a little old man with a bucket and a cloth. Oh no, Alistair Crowley. I am the Viper, he said. I wish to wash and wipe the windows. Boo, y'all. There's no reason to be afraid by whoever fights monsters. <laughs> when my sister Betsy and I were kids, our family lived for a while in this charming old farmhouse. We loved exploring its dusty corners and climbing the apple tree in the backyard. But our favorite thing was the ghost. We called her mother because she seemed so kind and nurturing. Some morning, Betsy and I would wake up. On each of our nightstands, we'd find a cup that hadn't been there the night before. Mother had left them there, worried that we were getting thirsty during the night. She just wanted to take care of us. Among the house's original furnishings was a unique wooden chair, which we kept against the back wall of the living room. Whenever we were preoccupied watching TV or playing a game, Mother would inch the chair forward across the room towards us. Sometimes she'd manage to move it all the way to the center of the room. We always felt sad putting it back against the wall. Mother just wanted to be near us. Years later, after we moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse's original occupants, a widow. She murdered her two children by giving them each a cup of poisoned milk before bed. Then she hanged herself. The article included a photo of the farmhouse's living room with a woman's body hanging from a a beam. Beneath her, knocked over, was the old wooden chair placed exactly in the center of the room. Oh, no. Boo, y'all. So I found a bunch of entries that come from the, uh, I guess it's like the Reddit subthread, the creepiest thing a child has ever said to you. (laughs) And I'll just read a few of them and then pass on and then maybe come back and then read a few more to finish it out but so let's get started a friend of mine's child told him daddy i love you so much that i want to cut your head off and carry it around so i can see your face whenever i want (laughs) my three-year-old daughter was standing over a newborn baby brother looking at him then she turned to me and said daddy it's a monster We should bury it. (laughs) My cousin used to freak her mom out as a child. Whenever her mom would ask her why she did something mean or wrong, she would whisper, The devil told me to do it. 
I was babysitting for a little girl, and she asked where I parked my car. I pointed out the window to my car across the street. She looked at me and said, Go to it without looking both ways. I want to see someone die. What the fudge? (laughs) One night I was tucking my two-year-old son in. He said, Goodbye, Daddy. I corrected him. No, we say goodnight. I know, but this time it's goodbye. I had to come back and check on him a few times during the night to make sure he was still there. (laughs) (laughs) My three-year-old son was cuddling with his grandmother. He took her face in his hands and stared straight into her eyes and said, You're very old and you will die soon. Then he made a point of looking at the clock. (laughs) My... My little girl went through a phase where she would just constantly say hi to things. Hi, 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 hi. One day it sounded strange, so I asked her, What's that you're saying? She turned to fate. She turned to face me and just whispered, Die, 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 die. <laughs> my niece was sleeping over at my parents' house one night. She had all the lights on in the spare bedroom. I asked her if she was afraid of the dark, and she said, No, I'm afraid of what is in the dark. I feel your pain, girl. I get it. My five-year-old daughter said, Mommy, when you die, I want to put you in a glass jar so I can keep you and see you forever. My six-year-old son laughed and replied, That's stupid. Where are you going to find a jar that big? My three-year-old daughter was hor- <clears throat> my three-year-old daughter was holding her newborn baby brother for the first time. She looked up at me and asked innocently, "So I shouldn't throw him in the fire?" <laughs> my sister was pregnant, and we were having a conversation at the dining room table. My four-year-old son asked my sister if there was a baby in her belly. She told him there was. He slid out of his chair and headed for the kitchen, saying, "We need to get it out." I'll go get the knife. (laughs) When my son was little, I would sometimes hold him down and pretend to eat his face, saying, nom, 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 nom. One day he said, I'll never eat your face, Mommy. I'll cut it off and wear it as a mask. (laughs) (laughs) My five-year-old cousin drew a picture of a hideous black monster. Then she looked up at me and said, He told me to draw this. He's coming for you. You better hide. Oh. Those remind me. I'll never forget when our daughter came up to you and she's like, Daddy, I'm the one they warned you about. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that either. (laughs) What the fudge? (laughs) I'm the one they warned you about. Okay. I've just got three little short... One sent one to two sentence scary stories. Mummy, the man at the top of the stairs says you should leave. <laughs> I woke up to hear a knocking on the glass. At first, I thought it was the window until I heard it come from the mirror again. <laughs> oh, I bet his reflection was looking back at him. <laughs> Did it wink? 
There's nothing like the laughter of a baby, unless it's 1 a.m. and you're home alone. <laughs> There's no baby. <laughs> Boo, y'all. Here, I got one that's like five words. There's a skeleton inside you. <laughs> ah! I got a three-word one. The year is 2020. That's four. The year is 2020. Oh. Sorry, it is 2020. Fuck off. That's four. <laughs> you said 20 twice. Oh. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> my daughter woke up. This one is called My Daughter Learned to Count by Real Science 87. My daughter woke up around 11.50 last night. My wife and I had picked her up from her friend Sally's birthday party, brought her home, and put her to bed. My wife went to the bedroom to read why I fell asleep watching the Braves game. Daddy, she whispered, tugging on my shirt. Guess how old I'm going to be next month. I don't know, beauty, I said as I slipped out, slipped on my glasses. How old? She smiled and held up four fingers. It is 7.30 now. My wife and I have been up for almost eight hours. She still refuses to tell us where she got them. <laughs> <laughs> Boo, y'all. DCA. Dead child advisory. Okay. It's not going to make me cry. No. It's 1 a.m., and Guy Halverson sat in his dark living room. He hadn't moved in for over an hour. The accident early that evening kept playing over and over in his mind. The light turned red, but he was in a hurry and accelerated. An orange blur came across his right, and in a split second, there was a violent jolt. Then the bicyclist rolled across his hood and felled fell right out of sight on the pavement. Horns blaring, blared angrily, and he panicked, stepping on the gas and screeching away from the chaos into the darkness, shaken and keeping an eye on his rearview mirror until he got home. Why did you run, idiot? He had never committed a crime before this and punished himself by imagining years in jail, his career gone, his family gone, his future gone. Why not just go to the police right now? You can afford a lawyer. Then someone tapped on the front door, and his world, world suddenly crumbled away beneath him. They found me. There was nothing he could do but answer it. Running would only make the matters worse. His body trembled. He got up, went to the door, and opened it. A police officer stood under the porch light. Mr. Halverson? asked the grim officer. He let a defeated sigh. Yes. Let me. I'm terribly sorry, but I'm afraid I have some bad news. Your son's bike was struck and hit by a run driver this evening. He died at the scene. I'm very sorry for your loss. Oh. oh. That ain't karma. Fudge. Fudge yeah. is my word tonight. Okay. <laughs> oh, fudge. I almost didn't want to read that one, but definitely scary. So back to this uh, forum post I was telling you about. When I was about three years old, our cat had kittens, but they all died. I asked my father if we could make crosses for them, which he did. As he was making them, I asked, Aren't those too small? What do you mean? Aren't we going to nail them to them? We're not going to do that. <laughs> my mom loves to tell this story. Apparently, when I was five or six, I told her that aliens had stolen her real son and replaced him with me. An exact copy and said that someday I would return to my home planet, but she shouldn't be sad because her real son was having a good 
life in our zoo. My little cousin was thrown out of Catholic preschool because he took off his shoe and told one of the nuns, Shut up or I'll take your eye out with my shoe because I'm the son of the devil. Apparently that was the last straw. (laughs) I was awoken from a deep sleep at around 6 a.m. My four-year-old daughter was standing over me and her face was a few inches from mine. She looked right into my eyes and whispered, I want to peel all your skin off. For a few seconds I was terrified. In my sleep out of state, I didn't know if I was dreaming or what was going on. Then I realized what she was talking about. I'd been sunburned the previous week, and my skin was starting to peel. (laughs) My niece was sitting on the couch with a weird look on her face. I asked her what she was thinking about, and she said, I'm imagining the waves of blood rushing over me. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) My three-year-old son was telling me that there was a man in his room. Mommy, he said. The man has big yellow eyes and he is looking at you. I tried to tell him there was no man and my son just told me, Oh, he is hiding now. Two minutes later he said, Oh, no, Mommy. You made him very mad. Now he says he will come when you are sleeping. Sometime later he told me, I'm not going to be four. I'm going to die. And you will put me down, down, down in the hole. I assured him that wasn't true and asked who had told him that. He got very quiet and replied, The man told me. But I will be scared, so after three nights, you will die too and come with me. Jesus! Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! I'm waving the mic on that one, but damn. That's good because you would have totally uh, blasted out our listeners' eardrums on that. I was in the basement of my friend's house with her two-year-old son. He took my hand, led me over to the brick chimney that had a rusty metal door on it, and said, That's where the dead babies go. (laughs) I was looking at houses, my brother and his three-year-old son. As we passed the school, the little boy said, If you buy a house here, that's where your kids will go to school. Then we passed a pool, and the little boy said, And that's where your kids will go to the pool. Then we passed a cemetery and he said, And that's where you'll bury your kids. (laughs) Kids say the darndest things. (laughs) Hmm. One night when my daughter was four, I overheard her talking in her room. I poked my head in and asked if she was talking to me. No, I was talking to the little boy who lives in my closet. He's dead. So matter of fact. (laughs) Straight to the point. (laughs) That's how kids are sometimes. (laughs) I jokingly asked my little cousin, what's the best way to get rid of a girlfriend? His response, tell her to be my girlfriend or she'll never see her parents again. (laughs) Somebody needs to lock that kid up. (laughs) (laughs) One day, totally out of the blue, my five-year-old son said, Before I was born here, I had a sister, right? Her and my other mom were so old now. They were okay when the car was on fire, but I sure wasn't. That goes in that past life stuff. Yeah. One day, my three-year-old son hugged my wife and said very seriously, Mom, I promise I won't ever chew on your bones. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) 
<laughs> sweetest thing that kid's ever said. <laughs> All right, my next one is from a book. It's called Odd and Chilling Encounters, True Stories of the Unknown. And this little tale is called The Allotment, and its location is in Sutherland, England. My sister and I decided to go for a walk with her dog. It was Halloween, and we loved to look for ghosts and chat about all things creepy. The thing was that we really didn't expect to see anyone. We walked the route that led to the back of the allotment area. We could see a greenhouse and remarked how odd it was that two people were standing looking out of it so late at night in the dark. We could both clearly make out a couple. It was as though they were frozen. We passed a few trees blocking our view, and the couple had changed places. Again, standing and still looking forward. There was no way they were real. As we passed another tree, they had vanished. The greenhouse was empty, and there was, there was nowhere around where they could be hiding, as it was all open land, and there wasn't enough time for them to have left the area. As we walked on, I heard a brush rustle, and I looked up and caught a shadow-like figure move out of the brush and then vanish. It wasn't human. No features. Just a black, full shadow. It really freaked me out. I didn't want to go past the area and go back to the car. We definitely couldn't have both imagined these unusual things happening that night. Boo, y'all. Boo, y'all. <clears throat> My next one. A message from your personal demons by Mr. Garm. Hello, my dear. You don't know who I am, but I know you. I'm one of the three demons that were assigned to you at birth. You see, some people in the world are destined for greatness. Destined to live happy, fulfilling lives. You, I am afraid, are not one of those people. And it's our job to make sure that... Who are we? Oh yes, of course, how rude of me. Allow me to introduce us. Shame is my younger brother. The demon on your left shoulder. Shame tells you that you're a freak, that those thoughts you have are not normal, that you'll never fit in. Shame whispered into your ear when your mother found you playing with yourself as a child. Shame is the one who makes you hate yourself. Fear sits on your right shoulder. He is my older brother, as old as life itself. Fear fills every dark corner with monsters, turns every stranger on the dark street into a murderer. Fear stops you from telling your crush how you feel. He tells you that it's better not to try and let people see you fail. Fear makes you build your own prison. Who am I, then? I guess I'm, I'm the worst of your demons, but you see me as a friend. You turn to me when you have nothing else. Because I live in your heart. I am the one who forces you to endure. The one who prolongs your torment. Sincerely, Hope. Oh. Oh. That's good. Let's get a booyah in that voice. <laughs> booyah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back to the kids say the creepiest things. <laughs> My five-year-old daughter had night terrors, and she would sometimes scream in her sleep. One night, I said, 
Mommy's here. It's okay. She looked right at me and screamed. Mommy, but who is that behind you? (laughs) One day, my four-year-old son, my brain is telling me to do things I don't want to do. Concerned, I asked him, well, what is it saying? Burn them. Burn them all. (laughs) 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 He's got Hitler living in his mind. Out of the blue, my two-year-old daughter said, If you're quiet, you'll stay alive. (laughs) I tell my son that sometimes. (laughs) Children say the darndest things. My daughter and her friend were talking about dinosaurs. I asked her, if you were a T-Rex, what would you eat? She got very serious, looked me right in the eyes and said, Children. I'd eat children. (laughs) Last week, my five-year-old son asked me, What do you see through the black circles in my eyes when you're controlling me when I'm at school? (laughs) (laughs) My five-year-old son gave me a card he'd made at school. On the front it said, How You See Yourself. He had drawn a picture of me walking in a meadow. I was surrounded by blue skies, a blazing sun, green grass, and butterflies. There was a big smile on my face. Inside it said, How you are really. There was a picture of me in a jail cell, gripping the bars and crying. (laughs) That kid has got some insight. (laughs) I work in a preschool. There is a small toy kitchen in our classroom that the kids use for playing house. There was one little girl who was playing with a baby doll, rocking it back and forth and singing to it. Suddenly... She shoved it into the toy oven, slammed the door, turned to me and said, Sometimes bad babies go in time out. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter told me that there is a woman in her bedroom who watches her and sleeps on the ceiling above her bed. She also says the woman doesn't like me and wants to eat my heart. (laughs) Time to move. (laughs) A few days after my dad passed away, my mother and I were awoken in the middle of the night by a furious banging noise. We went downstairs to find my little sister desperately trying to open the back door yelling, He wants back in. We have to let him back in. No one kind of breaks my heart. We had a small fire in the backyard and my baby cousin picked up a branch, lit it on fire and stared at it for a few minutes muttering, Burn, burn, burn. Eventually, as the whole stick caught fire, he started laughing maniacally and yelling in a deep demonic voice, burning, burning. We have a nephew that I totally could see doing this. Do you know which one I'm speaking? (laughs) He's not with us anymore. I could have seen him doing that as a child, though. He probably did that as a child. (laughs) That story could very well be about him. My mother told me that when I was a child, I asked her what it was like to die. When she said she didn't know, I told her not to worry, because I'd find out when I was 21. Jeez. (laughs) My aunt was very sick, and my wife and I were talking about the cost of making arrangements for a funeral. Our four-year-old son walked in and said, Why don't you just set her on fire? As it turned out, that's how he thought cremation worked. 
<laughs> I mean, technically. <laughs> we were collecting my mother-in-law at the airport. While we were waiting, my husband picked up our son and joked about tossing him over the railing. On the way home in the car, our son spent the next three hours making a booklet titled, All the Times My Dad Has Tried to Kill Me. <laughs> there were illustrations showing him in all sorts of peril, including being flushed down the toilet. <laughs> My mother-in-law was horrified. <laughs> Creative kid. Yeah. Smart kid. <laughs> I was making dinner and my five-year-old niece casually walked through the kitchen and said, I'll get you and I'll make it look like a bloody accident. (laughs) Scared the shit out of me. But later I found out she was just quoting a line from Cat in the Hat. I think that's scarier. (laughs) Don't remember that being a cat in the hat. (laughs) I asked Jim Carrey hat in the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I read ahead. I asked my three kids what they wanted to do when they grew up. My 10 year old said, I want to be a teacher. My eight year old said, I want to be a writer. My six year old said, I want to run the machines that cut the head off of chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have ambition, kid. <laughs> hey, set your goals low. More ascertainable that way. (laughs) One day, I was reading my three-year-old niece a bedtime story, and I fell asleep. When I woke up, it was dark and eerily silent. There was a nightlight on. I turned over and saw my niece. Her eyes were wide, and she was staring at me. Then she whispered, How did you get out of your box? I asked my nephew what he was drawing, and he replied, A skeleton-making machine. On further inspection, I saw that he hadn't drawn a skeleton-making machine, but rather a flesh-removal machine, (laughs) complete with screaming naked men and a channel for all the blood. (laughs) (laughs) Young psychopaths at work. (laughs) This story is called Brunette Amongst the Blondes. Location is in Argentina. And again, from that book. My sister is a very sensitive person and has seen her share of spirits and other paranormal beings. We are from Argentina. This story took place at her house in the country. It's a small but cozy house, and she lives with my brother-in-law and my nieces. One day, she was busy in the kitchen cooking. The layout of the house integrates the kitchen with the living room, so the stove faces the front door. Her mother-in-law entered the house with her 40-year-old daughter. They both were blonde. And my sister saw in the corner of her eye a younger brunette. She thought it was a guest of her husband's family's side. They all went directly to the guest room to leave their bags, and when they came back to the kitchen to properly say hi to my sister, she asked them about the brunette. They told her they had come alone, as always, and that nobody else had entered the house. My sister realized that she had seen a spirit and let it go. The next morning, and many mornings after, she would see the girl appear by the river that flows in front of the house. The house is around 60 meters from it. The girl would stare at her for a while, only to disappear when my sister would come over, come out of the house. 
This repeated for some time, and this girl kept following my sister around. She even appeared once when my sister visited a friend. They were having tea and sitting on the f- in front of each other, and then suddenly her friend went pale. The girl had appeared behind my sister. One day after this, the girl finally stopped showing up. She would never learn more about her. We believe from her clothes and hairstyle that she must have been a victim from the dictatorship that was in our country in the 1970s. Since the military would throw corpses into the river or bury them in common graves in desolate places. Boo y'all. Boo y'all. <clears throat> My last one. Guardians by Dark Alley Gator. <laughs> <laughs> he awoke to the huge insect-like creature looming over his bed and screamed his lungs out. He hastily left the room, and he stayed up all night shaking and wondering if it had just been a dream. The next morning, there was a tap on the door. Gathering his courage, he opened it to see one of them gently place a plate filled with fried breakfast on the floor, then retreat to a safe distance. Bewildered, he accepted the gift. The creatures chittered excitedly. This happened every day for weeks. At first, he was worried they were fattening him up. But after a particularly greasy breakfast left him clutching his chest from heartburn, they were replaced with fresh fruit. As well as cooking, they poured hot steamy bass for him. and even tucked him in when he went to bed. It was bizarre. One night, he awoke to gunshots and screaming. He raced downstairs to find a decapitated burglar being devoured by the insects. He was sickened but disposed of the remains as best he could. He knew they had just been protecting him. One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He laid down, confused, but trusting as they ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives, they weren't going to hurt him. Hours later, burning pain spread through his, throughout his body. It felt like his stomach was filled with razor wire. The insects chittered as he spasmed and moaned. It was only when... He felt a terrible squirming beneath his skin that he realized the insects hadn't been protecting him. They had been protecting their young. Oh, no. Booyah. When I was six years old, we moved to a new house. I said to my mother, the lady who used to live here told me that she hates the wallpaper and you are covering up her note. She thought it was just childish rambling and forgot all about it. Twelve years later, my mother was redecorating the house. She took down the wallpaper in the attic and found the suicide notes scratched into the wall. Oh, shit. When my mother was pregnant, my little brother came into the room and pointed a Nerf gun at her stomach. Oh, no, don't shoot me, Mom said playfully. Don't worry, Mom. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm just trying to kill the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Freaking good, son. (laughs) A friend of mine brought her three-year-old son over to my apartment. I asked him what his favorite holiday was, and he replied, I like Halloween because I like candy and death. (laughs) (laughs) Good kid, good kid. Good kid, yeah. Sounds like one of my children. This is from uh, Dad. I was minding my own business, working in the garage, when the door creaked open and my two-year-old son popped his head in and asked, Daddy, are you dead yet? (laughs) I replied, No. And then he just slowly closed the door. (laughs) (laughs) 
why could I see Dean doing that to you? (laughs) (laughs) I was at a friend's house when his four-year-old cousin was getting ready to go to bed. He walked around getting everybody a goodnight hug. I said to him, sweet dreams. He stopped at the top of the stairs, turned around, and very seriously said, I'll control your dreams and make them nightmares. (laughs) Oh, this is great. (laughs) My wife was making a sandwich for our four-year-old son. He was watching her intently, and then she asked what he was doing. He replied, I'm watching you make a sandwich, so I know how to do it when you die. (laughs) (laughs) My son was four, and his sister was almost two. I had to go to a meeting and I couldn't read them a bedtime story. I promised I would read them two the following night to make up for it. My mom said, It's okay, Mom. Aunt Tracy will read to us. I felt the hairs go up on the back of my neck. Who? I asked. Aunt Tracy, Mom. She looks just like you. After we go to bed, she reads and sings to us. I had never told them that I had an identical twin that died at birth. Her name was Tracy. Ooh. Ooh, that gave me chills. Did that make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Oh, my arms. While I was cooking dinner one evening, my four-year-old daughter came in and wanted to help. You're not going to touch the stove, are you? I asked. No. Do you know why you shouldn't touch the stove? She looked at me and in a very serious tone replied, Because I might get burned and die, and then you'd have to eat me. Can't let good food go to waste. (laughs) I was blowing my nose into a tissue, and my six-year-old daughter asked if she could see it. I said, no. And she responded with, I promise I won't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) These kind of remind me of our son the other day when we were on the porch, and he said, I had a dream that I was fighting monsters, and then I died, and I was sad. And it was like, what the hell? Where did that come from? He is... His imagination in monsters is kind mm. of insane. Now, now this one, I saved it for the last. My mother told me that when I was a little girl, I saw some guy at the grocery store and started screaming and crying. It was so bad we had to leave, and when we got back to the car, and my mom asked me what was wrong, I told her he took me away from my first mom and hid me under his floor and made me sleep for a long time until I woke up with my new mom. Whoa. Whoa. Fuck. Call the cops, lady. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. (coughs) That one, yeah. That's a good one for the last one. That's a good one, yeah. So that was another episode of Boo Y'all. Boo Y'all. We hope you enjoyed our spooky, silly Uh, scories and stories. Hope. Hope. Shame. (laughs) Fear. And hope. (laughs) My parents hated me. (laughs) But yeah, we hope you enjoyed those. We like doing Booyah episodes anyway because they're fun and there's some really good stories out there. Yeah. Hey, if y'all got some good stories, Halloween is just right around the corner. I was going to bring that up. If you guys have a scary story that you've written or that you know that you want to submit to us, please do it. Please do it. We are wanting to do a 
listener scary or a listener boo y'all come Halloween time. And if you guys just want to record yourself reading it or telling it and send it to us or email, yeah, uh, do that and we'll play it as long as it's not too dark. Well, depends on how dark it is. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna censor much. Well, there's one story that we've read that you will not allow on. So. Oh yeah, there is one story because it involves <laughs> dead babies and it makes me cry every time. Um, so not too dark. Yes. I mean, you can be dark, just not that dark. If you make me cry, it won't be on the episode. Unless it's tears of happiness and laughter, <laughs> which is pretty easy to do. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, send those to umpnormalcy at gmail.com. You can also submit them on Facebook um, or Instagram at umpnormalcy. Um, check out our website, umpnormalcy.com. We've got some new merchandise. I have to put those on the website, but I found us a new merchandise supplier that makes a whole lot more. I'm going to have to give me some UMP Normalcy socks, y'all. <gasps> oh, those will keep you toes warm. They got all kinds of stuff now. So um, we'll still keep the tea public as well. But this new one also has just has a lot more stuff. Like there's clocks and there's you can do a UMP normalcy bathroom. There's shower curtains and bath rugs. <laughs> uh, there's mattresses or mattresses, but there's uh, comforters and pillows and cool. all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, when we have a podcast studio, we might have to totally deck ourselves out. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on there and it's, and it's reasonably priced. And we ha- the reason I went with them is that we have a little bit more control over the price of the items. Um, we can adjust it a little bit. Not a whole bunch, but we actually can adjust the prices of the items a little bit. So we can do like a deal or something like that if we wanted to. So check that out. I will get that up on our website. And follow, follow our Facebook group and our page. Our group is where all the action happens, though. So there's a link to the group on our Facebook page. Um, that's where we share all of our posts and we talk to you guys and hang out and do polls and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, oh, by the way, uh, coming up, I'll probably do it. I'm debating whether or not to do it in October. Um, I'm going to put a poll up on the group for what color to dye my hair. Oh, and I got oh. a friend who's going to do it for me. So Cause I know our mom won't do it. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm gonna let the listeners choose what my hair color will be for the Hot end of the pink. year. Pink, purple, <laughs> orange, green, and blue. I think are the colors I'm gonna put on there. All right. So if you want to pick Chad's hair color, join our Facebook group so you can be available for that poll. And until next time, keep digging. Booyah.